Welcome back to your favorite sports podcast, All Good Points. Today, we're going to have some fun. First things first, I'm going to go over the best games of Week 6 and predict the best games of Week 7. Then, it's time for some bold predictions. I'm talking Super Bowl champs, playoff contenders, and postseason busts. Last but not least, I'll deliver some hot and juicy fantasy news and my picks of the week. Remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. It's all sports, all players, and all good points. Now let's get to it. All right, guys. So first up on our games of the week is the Bucks versus the Falcons. Now, I figured that that game would have been a score fest anyways, but I also thought that the Falcons would have ended up with a much higher deficit. Now, I've laid into Jameis Winston before, but honestly, this time he impressed me. He went 30 for 41, 395 yards, and four touchdowns. That could be credited to the Falcons' defense not stopping the Bucks on third down, but nevertheless, the Bucks had themselves quite a game, even with the loss. The Falcons, on the other hand, had a great offensive game, which is why this is my offensive game of the week, but let's break this game down a little bit more. 928 yards of total offense in between these two teams. The time of possession was only a three-minute differential, so for the most part, this game was pretty even. Like, the interesting thing about these two teams playing each other is usually you have this kind of offense versus offense thing. And for the most part, that's really what happened. The only thing I thought was going to be a little bit different was that the Falcons offense was going to outlast what the Bucks could do. Because for me personally, I believe that the Falcons have a better defense. Now, they kind of proved me wrong because they weren't really able to stop the Bucks on third down, which is probably the biggest biggest time you need to stop a team is on third down. And unfortunately, the Falcons didn't do it. So the Falcons have a little bit of an issue when it comes to defense anyways. Like if we go all the way back to, you know, the 28-7 comeback that New England had against them, that was all defense. That was all defense and, and kind of offensive play calling because they didn't really keep their foot on the gas. But that's neither here nor there. But the interesting thing about the Falcons is that their offense can outlast a lot of teams. Like if if the Falcons are usually playing anyone and it turns into a score fest, there's a good chance that the Falcons are going to win it. But this time they got really close to actually losing that game and the Bucks actually continued to keep their foot on the gas. Now, Jameis Winston had a little bit of trouble. I think he threw a couple of picks and stuff like that. But at the same time, him coming back and stepping into the starting role instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick being there is obviously a little bit more beneficial for the team at this point. But unfortunately... They still, they still lost. So you can, you can have all the things in the world. You know, you can have a great offense and stuff like that. But if you still lose based off of defense or not being able to outscore an opponent when it comes to, you know, both teams not playing defense, you're going to run into a little bit of an issue because if your defense isn't up to par and they can't stop the opposing team's offense, and this goes the same for the Falcons. So if if your defense cannot stop the opposing team, then you're in a strict shootout. And whoever wins that shootout is obviously going to come out on top. And that's that's not really what we're debating here. But when is defense going to step in for both of these teams? Because, yes, the, the Falcons have a better offense. In my opinion, they have a better offense. But I also thought that they had a better defense. Like, I thought they had a little bit of a better defense than they proved right now. But it's not looking that way. Now, the Falcons are going to move on to face the Giants. That's going to be another game where Atlanta gets the ball rolling against a struggling, and when I say struggling, that's an understatement, but a struggling Giants team. Like, the Giants, 
bottom of the NFC East, like easily. And honestly, after the way that he's playing, do not, I repeat, do not be surprised if Eli announces his retirement at the end of this year, because the way that he's been playing is just awful. Now, his offensive line isn't giving him much of a help. Like they're, they're not helping him out too much. His wide receivers are more frustrated than I have ever seen. And I mean, last year, of course, you're going to have the prima donna Odell Beckham doing what he does. But now it's Sterling Shepard having the same kind of attitude. So it looks like the people around him are starting to crumble as well, which is I, it's so rare that you see that with a quarterback that's of Eli's stature is the people around him just breaking down. You know, the people around him just being fed up with what's going on. I don't understand it. I mean, you have to rally behind your quarterback regardless of how bad it is. Those guys are not going to change anything that the front office wants to do. Let's just be frank about that. Them complaining is not going to change anything. Eli is not going to get benched just because those guys are complaining. That's not the way that this works. I mean, Ben McAdoo benched Eli, and I've talked about this before, but Ben McAdoo benched Eli and he doesn't have a job anymore. The organization loves Eli Manning and they think I'm this is just me getting into their head. They think that it's a, an issue with play calling and offensive line. That's what they're going to say. They're not going to say that Eli is getting old and we need to let him go. If you're expecting that from the Giants organization, you're you're slow like you you aren't picking up the way that the organization treats Eli Manning now. Eli has won a Super Bowl for them before. So you have to understand like the level of untouchable this guy has. And when a coach tries to make the decision to pull Eli, regardless of what his reasoning is, unless it's Eli is hurt and we need a uh, another quarterback in there, unless that's happening, a coach isn't going to get to do that. That's just not going to happen. So the way that the way that this is broken down is that the offensive players are upset because Eli isn't doing anything or, you know, he's not throwing the ball downfield or anything like that. They're getting beaten up by teams. But at the same time, Eli is getting beaten up. He's getting sacked a lot. He's getting hit a lot. He's getting pressured a lot. And that's not how Eli plays. He has never been a good player when there's people in his face. This guy isn't Matthew Stafford. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Alex Smith. He's not Kirk Cousins. He's none of these guys, right? So, and he doesn't have like the mobility of a Marcus Mariota or a Patrick Mahomes. Like he doesn't have that mobility. So he can't get out of the, uh, he can't get out of the pocket. So you got to lay off of Eli. And I kind of just went into a tangent about the Giants and how bad they are. But the the main point of this is that Atlanta is going to go in there and they're going to roll right over them. And this gives Matt Ryan a like confidence boost going into this game. As long as they don't get caught in like the trap sense where, you know, they show up and they don't play as well or they play to the level of their competition. The Falcons are going to go in there and get the job done. And they're going to get the job done bad like this. That's probably going to be an ugly game. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, they go in and they're playing Cleveland, okay? They better not sleep on the Browns' offense. Like, they they better not, don't fall asleep on that Browns' offense because they will make you pay for it. Dirk Cutter might be on the hot seat if he loses to them. Like, and Dirk Cutter was kind of on the hot seat earlier in the year too, but uh, he had Ryan Fitzpatrick winning games for him. There's been a lot of questions surrounding Dirk Cutter of, you know, whether he should be the head coach or anything like that. I say, you know, maybe don't give up on him yet. 
maybe let him let him work some things out. But if he loses to Cleveland, I mean, can you make a case for the guy? Not really. Like, I don't really think you can make a case for him if he loses to Cleveland, just because like you need to be you need to be preparing for this team and do not take this team lightly. So here's a couple of keys to their victory. The the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to make sure, make sure that they contain, they have to contain Baker Mayfield. That's number one. Number two, you have to stop Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb. So you have to be great on defense. Number three, keep the ball for as long as you can. Like you need to make sure that that Browns offense stays on the sideline. Otherwise, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. That's just that's just the facts. That's the keys to them winning. Uh, for Atlanta, Ryan has to keep going after Julio Jones. They connected really, really well uh, this week up against the Buccaneers. Jones had uh, 10 receptions for 143 yards. They got to get the run game with Tevin Coleman going because Devontae Freeman is out. So you have to still make the Giants respect the run game. That's number one. Make them respect the run game and then connect with Julio Jones. Next up is the most surprising game for me. It was the Dolphins versus the Bears. I can honestly say that is the best I've ever seen Brock Osweiler Brock Osweiler play in a very long time. The Dolphins went to overtime and won the game by three. Like this was one of those times where I was kind of like sitting back going, wait a second. Um I thought this was going to be a blowout. Like Tannehill isn't starting, so they got Brock Brock Osweiler in there. And I remember Brock, but at the same time, like I also remember him not being that great of a quarterback. Instead, he went on and surprised me and the Bears defense had a lapse in dominance. Like this is a very or what was considered a very very dominant Bears defense up until now. Now people are having questions about the Bears defense. I still don't think have a question about it like they they're still a great defense. That's that's just a fact. Um honestly, I'm chalking this game up to Chicago having a bad day. Maybe they had a a rough travel to Miami. The weather is different. There's there's certain things like that and maybe they couldn't put, pull it together fast enough, but Chicago needs to snap out of it like ASAP because they're they're <laughs> they're going to be hosting the Patriots, okay? And you need everything you can get on defense if you're going to be playing against the Patriots. So, the keys for the Bears to actually win against I mean, the best team in the AFC. Number 1, defense. You have to you have to be able to pressure Tom and and get into Tom's face, make it to where he can't go through his progressions. Um, and then also they need to keep their offense on the field. I'm talking long drives, long eight minute drives, like where they're running the ball and running the ball and running the ball. Don't get into a shootout with new England because you will lose. That is exactly what happened in their game against Kansas city. Kansas city wanted a shootout. New England gave it to them who won the shootout, new England. And I kind of called that. I'm just, I'm just saying that I kind of called that, but Miami's keys, because they are playing another NFC North uh, team, they need to limit their turnovers, get Frank Gore going early, that is hard to say three times fast, and put a lot of pressure pressure on uh, Matthew Stafford. And Miami is one of those teams where a lot of people are looking at their record right now saying that they're going to be an AFC contender. Throw that out of the window. They are not going to be an AFC contender. Adam Gase does... He does not have what it takes to be an AFC contender with teams like the Steelers, the Patriots, the Bengals, 
and Kansas City. I God, I almost forgot Kansas City. Uh, even Jacksonville, once they get back on track, even though they got blown out by the Cowboys, like that was just an ugly game. But uh, Miami doesn't really have what it takes to be an AFC contender, so don't fall too much into their schedule or um, into their recent schedule and their their win column and their records and stuff like that because I don't see them being able to sustain that. But now it's time for me to predict the best games of the week. Now it's time to get some predictions going as to what's going to be the best games of this week. First up is an NFC East divisional matchup between Washington and Dallas. You got the Redskins versus the Cowboys. The Cowboys are coming off of a dominant win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they completely slaughtered Jacksonville. The Redskins, however, beat one of the tougher teams in the NFC in Carolina. The keys to victory for Dallas get started early. Feed Zeke. And the defense needs to keep the same energy that they had against Jacksonville with the Redskins. The Redskins, on the other hand, they need to pass to open up the run game to get Adrian Peterson going. They need to protect Alex Smith like their life depended on it. Control the ball, just like they did last week. Time of possession, Washington had 35 minutes. Carolina had 24. That's 11 minutes. That's almost a whole quarter that the Redskins kept the ball. Now, the Redskins have a lot of weapons. you got Paul Richardson. You've got Adrian Peterson. You've got Alex Smith. I mean, to be frank, Jordan Reed. You've got a lot of good weapons on offense, right? Versus the Cowboys that really only have, you know, Dak, Zeke, and Cole Beasley. Not a lot of other people are making a whole lot of noise on that sideline, but these two always have good games. And now with Alex Smith at the helm, it's going to be interesting to see how he can deal with Demarcus Lawrence. That's on the the Cowboys side. So, This is one of those interesting matchups where you'll really see if Washington is serious in the NFC East because a lot of people are asking that question right now. Is Washington really serious? Is Washington going to be the team to beat in the the NFC East? Have they dethroned the Eagles? Well, they haven't really played the Eagles yet, so let's not get too excited there. But it'll be a good step for them to play the Cowboys and actually beat a divisional team to where people actually start looking at the Redskins going, okay, these guys are serious. They've beat some good teams. And although Dallas isn't really where Dallas was two years ago, they still are coming off of a very, very emphatic win over Jacksonville, which was considered to have the best defense in the NFL up until Dallas ripped them apart. And Rex Ryan, um, the old Jets coach, coach, was talking about how There's so many holes in Jacksonville's defense, and basically Dallas just exploited all of those holes. So Dallas is riding a hot streak right now after after that win. Like, they're feeling really, really good, and the best thing for them would be to take down a divisional team, you know, an interdivisional team where they've had this rivalry for a long time, and it'll be good if they actually win. But between the two, if I have to pick... I kind of have to go with Washington just because I think Washington is maybe a more complete team. I think that's probably the best way to put it is just a more complete team. Like they play better together. And I think that's really what separates them from Dallas is that they play better together. So with that being said, I think that after this game, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really close. So I'm, I'm going to go out there and say that maybe it's won by like four points. So I'll say 24 to 20. I'm picking Washington over the Cowboys. Next, we've got another NFC matchup. 
Philadelphia versus Carolina. Philadelphia is coming off of a big win against New York, but they're going to need to get the ball rolling early against Carolina. You have to start fast. Carolina, on the other hand, desperately needs a win against a hard-nosed defense just to prove something to themselves. Unfortunately, Cam has to go to Philly against probably now, because the Seahawks is the Seahawks are done, but probably now the toughest 12th man in the league. Philly's Philly's advantage is strictly based off of them being home. That is a tough crowd to play against at home. So Carolina is going to have to go in there and try to stay out of their own head and make sure that they keep focused. They're going to have to get started early. Like that's, that's the key for both teams. Philly needs to get started early. Carolina needs to get Philly into a deficit, like a 14 point deficit. So they can have a little bit of a cushion for later on down, um, down in the the late trenches of the game, you want to have a lead and they need to be able to maintain that lead. Philly has the advantage on defense because they are notorious for stopping people on third down. Carolina, keys to victory. Defense has to show up. You need to have zero turnovers and no fumbles from Cam Newton, from anybody. From There was a wide receiver that I think fumbled twice for Carolina. None of that can happen. And they need to play confident and intense the whole entire time. They have to keep that energy up the whole time. Here's the Phillies keys. Get ahead early. Make sure that they extend drives, even if they aren't even if they aren't scoring points, they need to be able to extend the drive to take up a lot of time. You want to leave Cam Newton with as little time as possible. And then last but not least is part of time. Keep the offense on the field. Philly needs to force three and outs constantly. Their defense needs to be that defense that was so scary last year. They have to show up. They have to put they have to put Cam on his back constantly to where he gets discouraged because the second that Cam Newton gets discouraged, he doesn't want to play football anymore. So that's the keys to victory for Philly. It's just that. It's it's just that simple. Now, this is a game where it's kind of hard for me to pick because I do think Carolina has a more explosive offense, not necessarily a better one, but a more explosive offense. So I would like to give the edge to Carolina, but me being a defensive guy, I'm going to have to say that Philly takes this game. I think it's going to be something around like a 17 to 17 to 13 kind of game. I know that's kind of like a weird number, but I'm going to say 17 to 13. Actually, you know what? I take that back. It's going to be 20 to 13. 20 to 13, I'm taking Philly. Low scoring game, uh, but I think it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Now we're going to get ready for some bold predictions. All right, so let's start with who I think is going to be the Super Bowl champions this year. Now, remember, these are bold predictions. I could be wrong. It's just a bold prediction. Super Bowl champs this year, if they continue playing like they are right now, the Chiefs and the Patriots will be fighting in the AFC for the Super Bowl spot. Out of those two teams, the Pats will go on to win the Super Bowl against the Saints, and Tom Brady will retire. That's... That's where that's what I see. That's my bold prediction. Now let's talk playoff contenders. In the AFC, you got Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and the Chargers. Those are the teams those are the teams in the AFC that I think are actual contenders for those titles. In the NFC, you got the Vikings, the Saints, the Redskins, and Green Bay. That's just this is just my this is just my opinion, okay? Now, the Redskins, that's for right now. That could change. Maybe Eagles take that spot. Saints, definitely. Vikings, definitely. Green Bay, as long as Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, they will be 
a force to be reckoned with, especially late in games. Now, let's talk about some postseason busts. I'm saying if the Dolphins get to the postseason, they're a bust. Cincinnati gets to the postseason, they're a bust. Baltimore, one and done. Rams, one and done. Bears, maybe two games and that's it. Like, I don't, those are the teams that I don't see. And the Rams, I'll tell you why, because everybody's probably thinking right now, well, the Rams are the only undefeated team in the league. What are you talking about? You're an idiot. No, listen, they are so young that they get frazzled so easily and they almost lost to Denver. They almost lost to Minnesota. Now I know what you're saying. Like almost only works in horseshoes and blah, blah, blah. I get that. Don't get me wrong. Here's the thing. They get figured out very easily. They get figured out very, very easily and very quickly late in the season. Everybody had them picked as the NFC champion last year. What happened? They went to the playoffs and they lost. So you can't tell me that if they go to the playoffs and they te- they play a team like the Vikings, the Saints, or Green Bay, that those teams aren't going to beat them. Those teams will beat them. And they'll be back. They'll, they'll have to start their season all over again. They'll rebuild and they'll have the same kind of push. Now, if you ask me two years from now who I think is going to be the the NFC champion, I would probably say the Rams because they would have more of a complete kind of game plan and maybe they would get figured out a little bit less. Now, the Bears, great defense, but... Mitchell Trubisky is still getting started as a as a quarterback, so he needs a little bit more time to develop. The Dolphins, come on. Adam Gase and those guys, that's not serious. Cincinnati, Cincinnati's good, but they're not playoff material. Like, they will not go deep into the playoff playoffs. Baltimore, great team. Um, I, I like them. I like the way that they play. But at the same time, you can't tell me that something that you're seeing from them isn't something that we've seen before. And like they have a habit or I don't say like maybe not a habit, but they have flopped before when it gets to serious clutch games. So hopefully you guys don't hate me for saying that maybe your team was a bust because now it's time for some fantasy news and Rick's picks. All right, guys, so let's start like we always do with our top fantasy performers of the week. Coming in at number one, I got Tyreek Hill. He's going to go on to play Cincy. I don't see one corner that can cover him, so make sure you start Tyreek Hill. Like, 100%. Nobody can cover him. It seems like Mahomes likes to look for him, especially down the field. He's got some really, really big play capability, so make sure you start him. Uh, Second is uh, Saquon Barkley from New York. He came in at a 37.9. He's heading into Atlanta. That's a little bit tougher of a run defense, but since the Giants can't pass, it'd be a good idea to start him. Um, Todd Gurley came in at 36.5. He had a huge game. He's going to continue to have a huge game against San Francisco, so let's get to some sleepers. We got Kiki Kuti playing over in Houston. There's a huge upside with Fuller's hamstring issues. Kiki's filling that role. He's also been getting more targets. So if you think about it that way, maybe some uh, some of the uh, underneath passes, a lot of those go to him. Big upside. Um, Taylor Gabriel, 30 points in week four. He had 16 points in week six. This kid has big play capability. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky looks for him constantly down the field. So if there's a big play down the field, it's a pretty good chance that it's going to be going to Taylor Gabriel. So you have to have this guy in your lineup. Otherwise, you're making a big mistake, especially if you have another wide receiver that's been a little bit lackluster. It'd be a really good idea to have Taylor in your lineup, maybe even that out. Maybe put him as a flex option since he does like end rounds and stuff like that too. 
it's there's so many opportunities for him to make a lot of points. So I would say go ahead and start him. Pick him up off the waiver wire if he's still there. I mean, some people are really smart when it comes to the waiver wire and they see the way that things are going. But he's got a lot of big play capability. Mitchell Trubisky looks for him very often. So I say pick up Taylor Gabriel. Uh, Last but not least, we got John Brown. He had a lackluster game last week against the Titans, but that was mainly just because of game flow. Like, the Ravens kind of already knew that they had the game won based off of the run game. So... They kind of steered away from the pass a little bit, but John Brown is still a big target for uh, for Joe Flacco. He likes throwing to him. John Brown has made some really, really good plays. He's a speedster, so he can get around people. So that's that's my idea. Those are the three guys that I would pick up on the waiver wire if they're still there. So let's get into some picks of the week, okay? Coming in at number one, our first pick for Thursday night is going to be the Broncos over the Cardinals. Rosen and company still haven't got anything together, so I do see the Broncos actually getting a win against them. I'm going to take the Chargers over the Titans. Reason being, the Titans are kind of falling apart at the seams right now, and the Chargers are kind of firing on all cylinders, so I don't see the Titans' defense being able to stop Melvin Gordon, Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen. Like there's, there's too many people to stop, so I just don't see that happening. Uh, I'm going to take the Jaguars over the Texans. Um, the Jaguars got beat up against Dallas, but the Texans don't really play like Dallas does. So I kind of have to take the Jacksonville Jaguars in that situation. Uh, just, just this time. Um, I'm taking the Eagles over the Panthers. I covered this earlier. The Eagles just seem to be a better team right now. And if they get their defense firing on all cylinders, I see the Eagles being able to take that game. It'll probably be a very close game though. Um, next I got the Vikings over the jets. The Vikings got their defense back together against Arizona. I see them, actually going into New York, playing very, very well, lights out defense all over again. And I think Kirk Cousins is going to really get the ball rolling as far as offense goes. And hopefully if Dalvin Cook comes back or if Latavius Murray starts, either way, hopefully they have the same kind of running game that they did last week. I mean, Latavius Murray had 155 yards. You can't ask for more than that on the ground. Um, Taking the Patriots over the Bears, the Bears defense is great, but they are not going to be able to stop the Patriots. Bills versus Colts. This is a tough one, but I kind of have to take the Colts because Josh Allen isn't going to be playing for like three weeks, if if I remember correctly. Browns over the Buccaneers. That's my upset. I'm taking the Browns over the Buccaneers. I think the Bucks are going to sleep on the Browns and get bit really, really hard. Taking the Lions over the Dolphins, only because I don't see... Osweiler being able to repeat the same magic. I kind of see Matt Stafford actually getting the Lions back on track this week, so I'm going to take the Lions over them. Saints over the Ravens. The Ravens are not playing Tennessee this year. Or this, sorry, not this year, this week. So they're playing the Saints. That's a very dominant team. The Saints are going to go in there, play great defense, and then if it does come down to a shootout, the Saints are going to win that shootout. Taking the Redskins over the Cowboys. We covered this a little bit earlier, but I have to take the Redskins in a very close game against the Cowboys. Rams over the 49ers. That's an easy dub. The Rams probably won't lose a game for like another week. Um, Chiefs over the Bengals. That's simple. The Chiefs are going to be coming off of a loss. They're going to play with a lot of intensity, and I don't think the Bengals' defense can stop that offense. Last but not least, i got to take the Falcons over the Giants. Now, you guys need to send in your picks to the allgoodpointspodcast at gmail.com. I repeat, allgoodpointspodcast at gmail.com for a chance at a shout-out. 
there's there's so many things that you could do. Like you could win things by sending in an email, just a simple email. But let's go over some some uh, some quick Instagram stuff and some quick social media stuff. You can follow me on Instagram at All Good Points Podcast. Um, we're doing giveaways all the time. Every single week we've got a giveaway. So please follow the podcast, rate and review. Thank you so much for listening. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful sports weekend. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.